Welcome to Christchurch Manchester Sermon Podcast. CCM is one church that meets every Sunday in various locations across Manchester. For more information about who we are or about our Sunday meetings, please visit www.christchurchmanchester.com. Who's into running? You know, if running or jogging or something is your thing, just stick your hand in the air. We have a few, we have a few. Like, honestly, if I was sitting in the congregation and someone asked that question, I would be firmly hands down. I'm not into running at all. There are, there are two scenarios in life that I'm willing to run. Okay, scenario number one is if I need to catch a bus and it's there. <laughs> scenario number two, if there's a dog chasing me. <coughs> Other than that, I'm, I'm not a fan at all. Uh, however, during lockdown, Our house became a bit more of a running house because Emma, my wife, got into running. She she was talked into the couch to 5K. I don't know if any of you have done that. And so she started doing these like half walk things with a little bit of running that gradually ups the intensity till you're doing a full run. And she finished that and then got the bug for it. So now several times a week she'll go off on a run. And we've noticed that um, gradually more and more of the actual kit has started to appear at our house, like proper running shoes, proper running clothes. She's very into it. And this has made me kind of resolve in my mind that I will get into running as well one day. Now, I'm not making any commitments when that will be. Certainly not an immediate plan, but one day I'll download that app. One day I'll do the couch to 5k thing. I remember when I was growing up in the village that I lived in, there was a race every year called the Greno Chase. And I think you've got a photo of the start and finish line of it on there. Um, and what would happen is everyone from the village would gather and there'd be like this six kilometre circuit up the hills and all round, uh, round the roads of the village. And you got some of the guys would sign up and they'd be ultra competitive. They'd be in the running gear. Uh, and then there was a race for some of the women in the village. And then there was like a kid's version that was just round the field. Uh, and so as a kid, we'd do that sometimes. But I remember the people who signed up for this. They weren't running in the same way that Emma runs. They weren't running in the same way that I will run when I finally get round to taking up running. They were running to win. They were running to beat the other people. They were running competitively. They were straining themselves. They were giving everything that they had to finish the race and to finish it well. Well, that links into what I want to talk about this morning, because in the passage we're going to look at today, we'll see the life of a Christian, the Christian life, is compared to a race. Over this term, we've been looking at the book of Hebrews, here at the Lady Barn site of Christchurch, Manchester, and we're in Hebrews 12 today. So please do, if you've got a Bible, open them to Hebrews 12. Uh, If not, maybe verses will appear, maybe they'll not. But I'm going to read to you. And we're just going to focus on the first two verses today of Hebrews chapter 12. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, 
and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. I wonder what jumps out of those verses to you as we read them. To me, there are three instructions given that jump out to me. Three things I want to focus on this morning. Firstly, there's a call to run. Secondly, to run well, there are things we might need to lay aside. And thirdly, there's a place that we set our eyes. There's a goal, there's a finish line. Where do we look as we run? I want to start with the call to run. Another memory from my childhood. I remember we did this uh, Saturday day trip down to London. Um, my parents took me. We, we went around various different London attractions. We were on the south bank of the Thames. We saw the Houses of Parliament, Big Ben. We had a look at Buckingham Palace. And I don't think my parents had planned it this way, but we just happened to go down on the day that the London Marathon was happening. So one of the things that we did is we stopped and we watched a little bit of the London Marathon. Now, I've seen uh, since then many more occasions I've watched bits of the London Marathon in person and on TV. And you know what I've noticed about the London Marathon? You might have noticed the same thing. There are different kinds of competitors in the London Marathon. So you get some who set off at the front, and they're running, they're racing, they're serious. They want to win the thing. And so what they've done is they've built their whole lives around a training regime, around a certain diet, around a certain sleep, and everything they've done has been geared towards running. And that race is the thing that defines their life. Then you get some other people, and they've signed up for it on a bit of a whim. I'd call these the hobby runners. So it's not the defining thing. It doesn't really matter to them that they do it, but they just think it'd be nice to say, I've done the London Marathon. And they might give a bit of time to it. They probably don't just go into it completely without training. They'll give it a bit of their time, but it isn't the main thing for them. It's not the real focus. It's just a little bit on the side. And then you get a third group of competitors. So don't take it seriously at all. These are the ones who turn up in fancy dress. And so uh, you'll see people like dressed as a big lump of cheese or uh, someone else, like two people dressed as like a camel running along together. And it's always a bit embarrassing if you're in one of the first two groups, if you're a serious runner or if you're doing it as a hobby and then someone like overtakes you dressed as a Michelin man like waddling past you. You know it's not going well when that happens. There are different ways to approach a race. You can take it seriously and run with all that you've got. You can take it not so seriously, just a a thing that's an add-on to the real business of your life. Maybe you don't take it seriously at all. I think this morning, as we look at the Bible passage calling us to run the race, I wonder if it might be a wake-up call For some of us, as we consider, as we think about what's our race been like to this point, which of those three groups of runners in the London Marathon most closely resembles us as runners in this race that God's laid out for us? Are we people who are running the race with all of our heart? Have we built our life around it? Is this the thing that we've geared everything to? Or is it something that, it's a thing, we do it, it's it's there on the side, but it's not the main thing in life, it's just a add-on. Or maybe we don't take it seriously at all. I wonder how you viewed it. Maybe there's a perspective shift needed when we see a metaphor like a race for the Christian life. I think sometimes the way we talk about Christianity is quite passive. It's like we, we think, okay, well, 
Christianity is mainly, if I believe these things and really believe them, then that's it, isn't it? But no, the Bible doesn't quite paint that picture. The author John Bloom uh, highlighted some of the message of different New Testament authors. And he said, look, you read James, and he's really clear that faith without works is dead. It's It's not enough to just believe, but there's certain things to do. Or you read John, and, and John's really clear that love without deeds is dead. It's not enough to say, well, I love if you're not doing anything with that. Or you read Paul, and you get really clearly from Paul that grace without holiness is dead. Or you read Jesus, and you see discipleship without obedience is dead. You know, these things, it's not just, I believe these things, so, well, I'm in, and then there's nothing more to do. This metaphor of running a race, there's activity, there's fervency about the Christian life. So this is a call, really, this morning, to get your running shoes on. Let's run the race. Let's give our lives to running after God. Here's the thing, though, about running. I don't know if you've ever noticed this, if you've ever tried to run. It's quite hard, isn't it? Running isn't easy. Quite easy to get up here and say, come on everyone, let's run. But what about when you've been doing it for the last few years? What about when morning after morning, day after day, you've been getting up, you've been trying your best? Doesn't there come a moment that you're just tired, that you just falter? Like any runner, it's like you hit the wall. So I'm not, I'm not sure I can run the next leg of this race. I'm not sure I can keep on running. What do we do when fatigue kicks in on the race well the way it's it's said in the verse is let us run with endurance let us run with endurance i remember at the time of the 2012 olympics two of the big stars of that olympic games were usain bolt the jamaican sprinter he won all the short distance events and then uh, our homegrown hero mo farah uh, long distance runner uh, won the long distance Events And these two both were larger-than-life personalities. They both became heroes in the public. And so people started having a debate. Who would win if Usain Bolt and Mo Farah had a race? And they were talking about, let's set a distance somewhere in the middle. Okay, no, we're not doing 100 metres. That's obviously going to be Usain Bolt. We're not going to do a marathon. That would obviously be Mo Farah. But what if we meet in the middle? What if we did 600 metres or 800 metres or something like that, and people had their opinions. Some were saying, "Yeah, uh, Bolt's pace it would just take him uh, so far ahead that uh, Mo Farah couldn't catch up." Others had a different opinion. But anyone who actually knew about running, anyone who was an expert, they all had the same view. They said there would be no contest. Mo Farah would win easily because Usain Bolt—he's—he's he's built his body perfectly as a sprinter. He's designed and chiseled to be perfect over 100 metres, perfect over 200 metres, but he doesn't have the extra capacity to run much further than that. It's not like you could just say to him, just keep doing that for a bit longer. His body wouldn't be able to do it. He would stop after about 250 metres. Whereas Mo Farah, his body was designed for endurance. It was designed to keep going step after step after step. And he did have some pace to him. He could kick on quickly but he was designed to be able to keep going and going 
and going. And these people who knew about running said there is no contest. It's not a sprinter's world. It's for those who can run with endurance. That's the call. Run with endurance. The other Gary Ryan Blair said many will start fast, few will finish strong. I found that quite challenging. Because I've seen in my time as a Christian, I've seen friends, I've seen people who I've been working with, and I see people starting fast quite a lot. I see people who will meet with God, whether for the first time or maybe in a new and profound way, and they'll be out of the blocks sprinting. They'll seem on fire for God. They'll seem passionate, all guns blazing. They'll turn up at everything. They'll be devouring their Bible. They'll be intense in prayer for a bit. And then it fades, and then it stops being what it was. And there are various reasons why it might dwindle away. For some, it's disappointment. They've had this vision of what life would be, of what God might do, how God might work, and it didn't quite come to pass. And so, for whatever reason, it's like they just went off the boil a bit. For other people, it's to do with circumstances of life changing. I think about one guy when he was a teenager who was completely going for it for God. Then he went off to university. And for whatever reason, when he got to university, he just stopped living for Jesus. He stopped running this race that he'd been running before. Other times, I don't know if you've noticed this, we can just drift. It's like we can be doing it. And then a while later, it's like maybe we're not doing it in the same way. And there's no decisive moment. It just drifts away from running like we once ran before. I wonder if you recognise yourself in that. I wonder if you look to yourself in the past and think, yeah, I started strong, but am I finishing well? Or am I running this leg of the race with the same fervour, the same pace that I once ran? Maybe this morning, God's calling you to get your running shoes back on. And you might think, actually, it's too late for me. I've missed so much of the race. I've kind of opted out. I'm not there with the leaders anymore. Well, Dr. Tony Evans says, unlike an athletic competition, the race for the Christian lasts a lifetime. If you're not dead yet, you aren't finished yet. You still have time to push forward in the race and win. So let's run. How How do we run with endurance? Well, this brings us on to the second instruction here. Let us lay aside. So this means there are things in life that don't help us to run. And two things are highlighted. It says every weight and every sin which clings so closely. Now, let's think about weights, first of all. Imagine you're trying to run a long-distance race. You're not going to get your backpack think, what do I need? I need, I'll I'll take my laptop, I'll put that in there. Maybe a book, maybe um, a few bottles of water, maybe some sandwiches, and you load up your backpack, and you put it on, and you run. You're not going to do that, are you? Because it's not going to help. It's going to weigh you down. It's going to slow you down. It's going to stop you along the way. Well, the author here is saying certain things in life can do that for us as we're trying to run with Jesus. And These things aren't sin. We'll we'll come on to the sin because that's the second thing 
that the author says. But the things that the author's talking about here are not things that are morally wrong. So it's not things that you could go up to someone and say, that thing you're doing, you really should stop. That doesn't honor God. These are just things that might be good. They might be okay. They're just acceptable things of life that can still get in the way. The first time I ever really heard God speaking to me in a way that's like the, the inner voice of God. I'd been a Christian about three days. And I didn't even know this was a thing. Uh, but I, I'd become a Christian. I was in my room praying. And at the time, one of the things that I was into, I played this um, online role-playing game. Like, there was nothing uh, about it that was wrong. No one would say, okay, there, there's a problem with this thing. It's just a thing that I did. And I gave quite a lot of my time to it. I gave quite a lot of my thinking to it. It was a part of my life. And and what I heard God say as I was praying is, I want you to stop playing this game. And so I did. I mean, I've been a Christian about three days. I didn't know any better. I was just like, cool, God said it. I'll do it. That's quite a good attitude, by the way. Let's not grow out of that kind of way of responding to God's voice. But when I think back on it now, what was God doing in telling me to stop that? He wasn't trying to get me out of a sinful pattern. He just was trying to lay off a weight that was on me. Because my life was a lot orientated around this game. My thoughts were a lot orientated around this game. So what did I do do instead? I was able to use my time and my thoughts to lay some foundations in this faith journey that I'd started. So I was able to get into my Bible, start to learn the Word of God. I was able to start developing and building a prayer life. I was able to connect in with other Christians into a community. I was able to give my time and my focus to something different. That's an example of laying aside a weight that gets in the way of running. I bet there are people in here who have things in your life that you're just aware. These are weights. These things, they take a lot of my time. They take a lot of my attention. They don't really help me run the race. Maybe there are things that stop you gathering together with others, like we're doing this morning, on a regular basis. You know, I'll, I'll talk to people who, they'll be explaining what they've got going on, and, you know, they've got a holiday but one week, and then a plan to see friends the next week, and then some friends are coming up the week after that, and then, you know, there's a kid's activity they need to take them to, and they've not made a plan to stop gathering, but it just happens that, eight weeks in a row, there are other things going on. And so they get out of the game. They're not running the race. These things have become weights. And none of them you'd say, that's a bad thing. But the cumulative effect of it is it can take us out of the race. There are other things, it might not be about gathering, that might stop us focusing on God, that might stop God being at the forefront of our minds. I mean, some of the obvious ones are the way we fill those little, minute gaps in time. You know, when you're queuing at the shop, when you're walking from one place to the next, what do we all do? We all pull out our phone, we check something. Our minds instantly go into a world of distraction, and our default thoughts are not on God. Maybe it is our phones, maybe it's our Netflix habits, maybe it's our social media habits. It could be any one of a number of things, but what for you are the things that you say, these things... They just consume so much of my life. And if they weren't there, I'd be focusing on God more. Now, I'm not naming anything, so you must stop this thing. But I'm suggesting maybe you just mull over the pattern of your life. And what things are the the rocks, the obstacles, the weights that weigh you down as you run? So let's lay aside the weights 
And secondly, lay aside the sins that cling so closely. When the Bible talks about sin, it's literally talking about missing the mark. So you can think of like an archery target and an archer shoots the arrow and it doesn't hit the target. That's the image here. And the Bible gives us a really clear picture of the lifestyle of a follower of God. And I won't read all the passages now, but think about the Ten Commandments. Think about the Sermon on the Mount. Think about chapters like Ephesians 4, Ephesians 5. Read through these chapters and you see, that, okay, this is the life of a follower of God. And yet sometimes we do stuff. We live in a way that falls short of that, that doesn't live up to the picture painted in the Bible. So we're talking about stuff here that's more than just wise versus unwise, helpful versus unhelpful. We're saying this stuff doesn't honour God. This stuff isn't right. And usually, when this stuff's going on in our lives, we know it. We've got a conscience. Something in us knows, I'm doing this, and I shouldn't be. This is in my life, and it's wrong. The Holy Spirit witnesses to our spirit about what we're doing if we're believers. So let's say it happens. Let's say something's coming to mind as you're doing it, maybe as we're talking about it, and you know it doesn't honour God. At that point in time, you do one of three things. Number one is you rationalise what you're doing. You come up with an explanation, maybe to yourself, maybe you try to convince other people, why the thing that God said doesn't really apply to you. Maybe it doesn't mean what we think it means. Maybe it's just a bit outdated. Maybe you've got special circumstances in your life that make you the exception, that make it all right for you in your world. That's one thing we might do. We might rationalise it. The second thing we might do is we might manage the sin. And when I say manage the sin, it's basically we say, yeah, I know it's wrong. I know that God wouldn't want me to do it, but I'm doing it. And so I'll go around in a cycle where I'll do it and then At some point in time, I'll feel convicted and I might pray about it. I might bring it up to someone and then I'll go and do it again. And then I'll feel convicted again. And so I'll pray about it again. And then I'll go and do it again. And we get caught in this cycle round and round and round. Like it's there, it's unmovable, but we're kind of managing it in our life somehow. The third thing we could do, it says here, let us lay it aside. We go to war with the sin. We fight the sin until it's gone. I used the example when I first became a Christian of uh, giving up that role-playing game. That, that was kind of easy. That was a weight. But there was stuff in my life at the time that was sinful as well. So I'd regularly, at that point in my life, be going out with my friends and getting drunk. I'd regularly be looking at pornography. These were things that, it didn't take long after becoming a Christian. I knew that this stuff didn't honour God. And honestly, these things weren't as easy to give up as that role-playing game. You know, I heard from God and gave that up straight away. These things, it was much more of a battle. It took a, a long time. It took a couple of years for these things to be gone from my life. But there's a battle. It's not just managing them. It's not just keep these things in life and just keep going around the cycle. By the power of the Holy Spirit, we can see victory. We can see success. We can see growth in the Christian life. I'm aware as I bring this up, 
speaking to a room full of people. There's every chance that there are numbers of people here today who are in the battle right now on specific stuff. Maybe the same stuff I've just mentioned, maybe different stuff. And I'm not bringing this up to try and make you feel bad. I'm bringing this up to give you hope. Because the Bible has more for us than just this cycle of managing it and it still being there. The power of the Holy Spirit, the presence of God in your life can do a work and can see you overcome these things. I want you to believe that. I want you to have faith for that. How does it happen then? It's not by our own strength. That's the most important thing here. We can't just think on these things, okay, well, I'll just get rid of that. I'll just stop doing that by my own power, by my own strength. It doesn't work like that. And the race that we're running, we're not running it alone. And that brings us on to the third and final thing this morning. Let us look to Jesus. Because it's only by Jesus' power and by focus on him that we can see the victory. So we look to Jesus. Firstly, we can look to his completed work. It talks about him enduring the cross. And it describes him as the founder and perfecter of our faith. Candice Lucy on Christianity.com talks about the the Greek word. She says the original Greek used for for that word founder is archagos, which means originator, author, founder, prince, leader. And the word for perfecter is teleotes, which means completer or finisher. So the originator and the finisher, the start and the end, this race that we're running, it's not our race that we've just been given to do ourselves. It's his race. He has run the race. He has lived the perfect life. He, for faith, by faith, has run with God perfectly. And he's, he's the finisher. He's the one who crossed the line. On the cross, what did he say? It is finished. He ran his race perfectly. He endured everything there was to endure. And he was given his crown of glory. And his crown was people like you and me, one for his kingdom. Forgiven of every sin. I think about the race that I've run as a Christian. And honestly, it reminds me of the cross-country races I used to do as a kid at school. I wasn't into cross-country then any more than I'm into running now. And so the way I'd run was this. There'd be a few moments that I'd run properly, that I'd be going for it, basically when the teacher was looking. And then the rest of the time, I'd slow down. There'd be moments that I'd jog. There'd be moments that I'd walk. There'd be moments that me and my mates would kind of leave the course and um, take the detour to the shop or uh, go and hang out in a, in a place no one would see. There were all sorts of missteps along the way. And I think about the life that I've lived, running the race for God. I've not run perfectly. Far from it. I've slowed down. I've gone off track so many times. But because he ran the race and he completed it and he said it is finished, I know that every moment... Every moment I've gone off track, there's grace and there's forgiveness for me. There's no condemnation. That's not what this is about. It's not so you you have sin in your life, you're disqualified, you're out of the race. That's not what this message is at all. Because he's completed the race for us. But there's a call now. Let us lay that stuff aside and let us run with him. Let us look to his enduring presence with us to help us. 
There was a race a few years ago, a triathlon. You know the Brownlee brothers, Johnny and Alistair? Well, in this race, Johnny Brownlee was in the lead, and he was kind of well ahead of the athletes behind him. And in second and third place were Alistair Brownlee and this other competitor, and they were kind of fighting out for the silver. But Johnny had misjudged the race in, in a bad way. And by the time he got to the finishing straight, it's like his legs didn't work. And so you could see him trying to run, but he's like weaving all over the path like this. And he can't run on his own. So you see kind of this gap being closed. He was well ahead. But the second and third athletes are catching up. And you know they're going to be past him. And you know he's going to be between those two to take the race. But when they get to Johnny, Alistair Brownlee stops competing. He lets the other guy go and take the goal because he sees his brother there struggling in the race and he gets him arm in arm and Johnny can't run but Alistair can and so he runs him all the way to the finishing line. He stops, he puts him across the line for the silver and then crosses himself. I want you to have that picture in mind this morning. That Jesus, our big brother in the faith, sees as we falter, sees as we stumble, sees as our way of running is far from what it should be. We can't do this by our own strength. So he draws alongside us, he's present with us, and he takes us home to the line. That's what he does.